Hi, my name is Stuart Alsop, and this is my podcast, Crazy Wisdom, where I interview creative people about how they work with and manage the stress that is inherent in creative work. What I'm looking for is answering the question, what is the connection between stress and creativity? Is stress inherent to creativity? Or does creativity relieve stress? I don't know, and that's why I'm interviewing people who are creating something. Usually I'm based in San Francisco, but for the last month I've been traveling around Europe and interviewing people here about what their difference, what the what the connection is between stress and creativity. Today I interviewed Marie Schneggens. She's the CEO of Workwell, an app that I will let her introduce more. Uh, she has some really beautiful wisdom about how she works with stress, uh, her meditation practice, basically all the things that kind of help her live this daily life. One of the most important things she shared with me was the importance of disconnecting. Uh, as entrepreneurs, we tend to be always on, and it's important for her to disconnect totally. She goes off into the wilderness for weeks at a time, uh, makes sure that her, everybody at her company knows that uh, she's going to be gone for a week and off in the wilderness. Uh, and then she takes that time to really read and delve into the bigger, higher-level, strategic kind of things that she needs to focus on. I really think you'll enjoy this podcast, and if you do, please find us on iTunes by searching for Crazy Wisdom, and go ahead and subscribing, uh, and if you really enjoyed it, please go ahead and give us a review. Thanks, and have a great day. My name is Marie Schneegans, and I'm the founder and CEO of Workwell, a mobile app, uh, and our mission is to make employees happier and more connected at work. Mm. So we started three years ago with an app called Never Eat Alone. Mm. Where when you work in a big company, you can lunch with someone you don't know who has the same interest. Mm. And one year ago, we launched a, a platform where you can connect all your services at work. Mm. That's really interesting. And do you have a story as to why that, why you chose that in particular to connect people at work? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so before that, I was a, a student in engineering and finance, and I did an internship at UBS, mm. the large Swiss bank. It was very boring. People did not interact with each other. I was always the same employees in my department. And at lunch, I would always eat alone in front of my desk or with the same employees. And so I started knocking on the doors and asked people randomly, do you want to have lunch with me? And my colleagues were very shy. And, uh, and they asked, Mary, can I come with you so that I can also make you friends? And uh, this gave me the idea to create an app so that when you work in a big company, you always meet new colleagues. And it became a mission of my life to make employees happier and more connected at work. Mm. I always wanted to help people. And for me, that was the best way to help is to be an entrepreneur and have the biggest impact in mm. this world. Mm. I think, I, and I think I remember seeing your app like three or four years ago in San Francisco, mm. like uh, an advertisement or for, mm. for it or something like that. Um, and, and it's really funny to be here now mm. in, in Paris talking mm. to you. Uh, and so that, that kind of, um, why did you, why are you now working on WorkWell as well? WorkWell is a, a bigger thing, which, which uh, um, uh, the other one is part of, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is, what is WorkWell? Yeah. Uh -huh. So every time we implemented Never Eat Alone in large companies, uh, such as banks or insurances, we always got the same feedback from employees who, had, uh, who asked us, can we also find someone to do some car sharing? Can mm. we book a meeting mm. room? Can we order some food? Can we find someone to go running? And this gave us the idea to create a platform where the employee has one app with all the services at work. And so when you come in the office in the morning, you can easily 
find someone to have lunch with and then you can find someone to do yoga and then you can find a babysitting. Mm -hmm. So everything related to work life mm -hmm. is in here. And your customers, are they larger organizations? Uh, about how many people are in these organizations? Uh, usually it's uh, 500, f sorry, uh, usually it's Fortune 500 companies. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so big uh, corporates, very traditional ones mm. with lots of silos. Uh -huh. And we want to help them break these silos and That's have cool. a better life at work. Mm. That's really interesting. Have you been finding any evidence that people outside of these silos are now are connecting between silos? Um, are people starting to do this now? Yes, uh -huh. we, um, we did some research. Uh -huh. uh, and so that thanks to the app, uh, more than 50% of employees interact with people from different departments and also 70% of employees from different hierarchy levels. Wow. So this breaks silos in a very uh, simple and convenient way. Oh. <laughs> and it must be cool because I imagine that if you're working directly with someone, you can't have that same type of relationship as you mm. could with somebody outside of your yeah. particular silo. So that seems like a pretty cool thing. What are some important techniques for you in terms of mental health or keeping yourself sane while starting this company? So it was very important for me to uh, disconnect um, because when you are an entrepreneur and you have a big mission, you always want to work. Mm -hmm. And so uh, from the very, very beginning, I had mentors who uh, learned me to meditate. Mm -hmm. So I started meditating when I was uh, an intern at UBS. Mm -hmm. uh, so during lunchtime and in the morning and after work, I always took a few minutes with myself and uh, take some uh, breath exercises. Mm -hmm. And then I learned also to meditate while working. Mm -hmm. So instead mm -hmm. of focusing on your to-do list, you focus, you focus on your path. Mm -hmm. uh, so you go very slowly. With you your focus feet. on your walking path. Yes, uh -huh. exactly. Uh -huh. And that's something I love to do. Uh -huh. uh, and I have lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I also went to an ashram uh -huh. in India uh -huh. um, to learn uh, more techniques. Uh -huh. And then when I came back, it um, became a routine mm. and a habit that uh, I do in my daily life and helped me to focus and uh, be less stressed. Because mm. when you are um, a very busy person, uh, it's very important to take time with yourself. Mm -hmm. So the more busy you are, the more important it is to take time mm -hmm. with uh, yourself and be surrounded by people who are also with the same mindset. Mm. So I like to... Uh, uh, during the weekend to go in, in the mountains, hiking, mm. uh, that also helped me to have a, a balance. Mm. What is the feeling you get when you get into nature and kind of just are surrounded by trees or, or nature? Uh, it's um, a feeling of happiness, mm. uh, of uh, being well, mm. uh, of being surrounded by uh, the people I love and the place I love. Mm. Uh, and then when I come back to Paris, where it's a very stressful city, yeah, yeah. even though it's very beautiful, it gave me this positive energy and the big smile that mm. I have every day. Mm. So I need these moments with myself. Mm. Uh, so every year I uh, go one week in a place without my computer mm. and without my phone mm. and I disconnect completely. So my team knows that I will not be on Slack. Um, my client, uh, someone else of my team will answer the e important emails. Mm. And so I, uh, I force myself to have this distance mm. once a year. Do you go somewhere, uh, somewhere, a different place each time or do you go to the same place? Yes. Uh -huh. So last year I was uh, in, um, in a boat, on a boat in the Greek islands. Cool. So every day in a new city. Oh. And this year I'm going to Chefalu, 
Uh, it is uh, in Sicilia, mm. uh, in Italy. In Sicily, right. Sicily uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in a bungalow. Mm, very cool. <laughs> and I will do some um, sailing. Sailing, cool. And do you bring a lot of books with you as well? Yes, okay. so last year I brought 10 books for one week. Oh. So every day I read more than a book. And what was the book that most changed your life after reading it on that trip? Um, it was uh, the one that was about uh, the habits of uh, entrepreneurs. Oh. And uh, thanks to that, I now practice some of them. Oh. Uh, for me, it was always uh, very hard to uh, write uh, about uh, my day, about what I'm grateful for. And so this um, pushed me uh, to uh, have a habit to write about what I'm grateful for. That, that one has been one of the most helpful habits for me about essentially just writing down the three things that I'm grateful for throughout the day. And that's the one with the most evidence behind it in terms of uh, creating a happy, a happy life. Um, what is another habit that you find yourself, what is the most effective habit you're using in the last week that's mm-hmm. been helpful for you? Um, going to bed before midnight. Uh, that was always a challenge for me, as uh, some of my team is in New York, so with a big uh, time difference, and so it's usually in the evening that I speak with my co-founder, Paul, and so be able uh, to disconnect before midnight and uh, tell myself now I need to sleep. And uh, so I'm very happy that it starts to be a habit for now uh, a few 10 days. <laughs> is your, co- your co-founder, is their main head- headquarters in New York? Yes. Oh wow, that's really interesting to have a, a remote uh, co-founder connection. Yes, in the beginning we were both in Paris oh. and uh, we realized that the American market was a very important market for us and to open one market, mm. such a big one, is important that one of the co-founders is moving there and so he took it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's what I would love to talk about is how many of your customers are American versus how many French, mm-hmm. how many versus that, and then how many those two versus international. Yeah. Uh-huh. So today we work mm-hmm. with more than 100 uh, employees, mm-hmm. uh, no, 100 employees. companies, mm-hmm. sorry. And uh, I would say that uh, 70% of them are European and uh, then 30% are worldwide. So from uh, the US to uh, Asia and uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, our goal is that in the next five years, it will be the reverse. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and, and because I was talking to somebody, you, you only have 20 employees here. Um, what are the employee, What are most of your employees doing? So two thirds are engineers, hmm. as uh, creating such a platform requires lots of technical efforts hmm. and uh, many uh, technical challenges. Oh. So we are always hiring more engineers. And uh, today our sales team is very small. We only have one person, mm. uh, but we are very lucky that we get lots of demand. Oh. So it's mm-hmm. more about closing a deal and then implementing. So we have a deployment team. Oh. So it's a customer success managers mm. uh, that are taking care of the clients. Is that the next step is essentially now that you've got the engineering more figured out, now you're going to start to grow the company exactly. in, in, in sales and customer support. Uh, that is really cool. Uh, what's the, been the hardest thing that you didn't expect? Uh, it's managing a team. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the youngest one in my team. On your whole team? Yes. Wow. And uh, so I always uh, need to give feedback to employees who are more ma- mature than me and have more experience. Oh. So I follow a lot my intuition. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it seems very it seems very humbling as well, like, like to, just to have that responsibility of mm-hmm. like, being the decision maker mm-hmm. for people who are, who are, have a lot more experience. Um, 
So how have you how how have you worked with that? Uh, I always try to do many one-to-ones. Mm. So every three weeks I meet um, people from my team. Uh, so it can be uh, this morning I had a one-to-one with Son, who is our head of engineering, and uh, then uh, yesterday it was with our QA uh, engineer. So I like to have one-to-ones so that I, we can give feedback. It's easier for me to do it in a one-to-one perspective. Mm. And um, I like to do it by walking, mm-hmm. uh, so it also for me an excuse to have some fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the conversations are more natural for me, and uh, it's for me more fun. Uh, Has anyone told you no, they don't want to go on a walk? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they, they don't uh, feel they can say no to oh. me, but maybe they also like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's so I like this habit as well. Yeah, that's, that seems like a very important habit. And it's one that's become more popular in Silicon Valley, but I don't think it's spread very far outside there. No, in France, yeah. it's uh-huh. very uh, rare. Uh-huh. Um, my team always told me that in their past previous companies, mm. they didn't have so many one-to-ones and never working. Mm. And for me, even when I had to fire someone a few weeks ago, mm. I do it by walking. Mm. Uh, mm. It's easier for me mm. and uh, I feel it more... Um, deeper mm. and uh, better. Had, had you ever fired anyone before that? Uh, yes. Okay. And, um, but this time it was uh, a person that uh, I liked a lot. Mm. So it was harder for me, mm-hmm. uh, but very important uh, to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how, uh, how do you, because in those situations where I know it needs to be done, uh, but it, 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 uh, it's very hard to have those conversations, hard conversations. What are some strategies, or is there anything you can do before those types of things uh, that that kind of help you to get mm. through it? Um, I try to uh, take some time with myself, uh, a few minutes before that, so not uh, finishing a meeting and directly uh, going uh, to another meeting. So um, there is a, a trick that uh, John Chambers from Cisco learned me. Mm. Uh, he told me that. Um, and the best way is to go to the toilets in between meetings to do the follow-up of your previous meeting and to think about your next one mm. and so to have this moment with yourself mm. uh, in between meetings mm. especially in the hard meetings helped help me a lot that's a great that's a great technique and exactly what I look for on this on the show, um, it's really interesting because so I read a lot of philosophy, particularly Indian philosophy, and uh, there's a strain of philo- philosophical thought in India called Kashmir Shaivism, mm-hmm. uh, and they it's they do talk about a lot of what the Buddhists talk about and Hindus and stuff like that, but they in particular talk about that everything in existence has three stages: mm-hmm. when you start it, when you sustain it, and when it ends. Um, and so you can notice this in your daily life when you're in a meeting; it starts. Has a, that and that start period has a consistency that's different than when it starts to be in stasis, and then that consistency is different when it starts to go down as well. And that's a really cool way of like it's almost a ritual that you can essentially like okay that part of that is done back to the here what's going on now and then what we're going to do in the future. Um, that's really cool. Do you read any philosophy or? Um, not really. Uh-huh. My fiance uh, reads some philosophy, so you can see after our meeting uh, some books oh. uh, and uh, it's something that um, is quite difficult for me to, to read. Mm. Um, I prefer uh, books uh, uh, like currently I'm um, reading about intelligence uh-huh. 
Uh, and so there are some philosophy behind, but it's not only about philosophy. Mm. So I like to um, have books where there is some philosophy. Practical. Yeah, it's yeah, more yeah, practical. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Oh, that's interesting. How do you know when somebody is telling you something that you can use in your own life? Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that's practical. So like when you're listening to a talk or, or you're reading a book, how do you, how, what are those, and this might be something that's implicit, something that you just do, but how do you, uh, how do you know when that will be useful? Uh, usually it's uh, when, um, for instance, if I speak to someone, mm -hmm. I like to ask them about their habits mm -hmm. and I like to test them. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I always mm. like to test and see uh, if it works for me. Mm. Sometimes it will work, sometimes not. Mm. And uh, in the books, I uh, I always take lots of not mm. notes, yeah. and uh, and then I also test it. Mm. So what are, what are some of the differences, because how long did you live in San Francisco when you, you lived in San Francisco at Mission Control? Uh, yes. How long did you live there? And were you, had you already started your company when you were living there? So I uh, participated in a hackathon in Berlin, oh. in Germany. Oh. And thanks to that, we got a prize uh, in San Francisco. And uh, during my stay, uh, some part was, was at Mission Control. So I stayed in San Francisco a few months. Mm. And um, I love the energy, mm. uh, the mindset, the friends that I make, like Dave. Oh. Uh, it's like a southern family. Oh. And um, it is very different than in France, where the startup community is still small. Uh, so for me, it helped me to realize that there is no problem and uh, only opportunities. And when we want, we can. Mm. It's a more positive mindset. Mm. And, um, and that failure is okay. Uh, so I loved this experience and it was important for me to uh, go back to Europe to give that spirit as well and to inspire other young students to start a company. So I like to mentor um, students to give them um, my experience so that they are motivated to change the world as well. Uh, and is that some part of the reason that you stay in Paris? Because a lot of companies end up you know, going to San Francisco, seeing what it's like, and then moving there, or even just moving there in the beginning, mm -hmm. and then stay to keep their company there. But uh, so if, for those that don't know, in Berlin, you have a few companies. You have SoundCloud that managed to stay there, and you have a few other companies in Sweden. You have Spotify and these kind of like billion-dollar companies that decide to stay in, in outside the... What were some of your reasons for staying in France? So uh, the first reason is that uh, my, uh, my fiancé also is an entrepreneur and uh, he has a big AI company and the best engineers are in France for his topic. And for me it was very important to live together with him and to have this balance of work and personal life. And the second reason is that we are also a tech company with lots of engineers mm. and uh, mm. in France we are very lucky they are the best engineering schools and it's less expensive than in the US mm. because the government is helping startups um, by um, giving um, grants to entrepreneurs to start the company mm. and uh, as my tool was um, a tool that is for big companies, very traditional ones, my market I'm on New York, Paris, uh, so big traditional companies that are not necessary in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. so San Francisco is great to raise money, uh, to be with friends, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but not to make money. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
and yeah, not, yeah, not to find your customers yeah. really. I mean, you can, unless your customers are online, uh, yeah. and yeah, that's really interesting. Um, but the one issue that I can see with that is essentially if you're in San Francisco, you have access to a lot of advisors, a lot of mentors who have done it before, and that how mu how much are you able to get that here, um, and how how has that changed because of the internet now that you can actually reach out to somebody. Uh, yes, so I have mentors that are from all around the world, mm. uh, so also in the US. That was very important for me to, uh, to have this feedback and advice. And in France, there is an amazing uh, foundation created by Clara Guémard and Gonzague de Blinière, mm. uh, which is called RAISE and helps entrepreneurs working with large companies. Mm. And so Clara, before that, was uh, the CEO of uh, General Electric in Europe. And um, she has nine children oh. and managed to do both in an incredible way. She is the president of the Women's Forum oh. and uh, teached me a lot about uh, giving back, mm. about uh, having a family life with a, an amazing work life. And um, to have these uh, mentors very uh, near you where you can reach them and uh, be with them was very important for me. And now in France, it's, a, it's starting to have a bigger startup community. Uh, there is Station F, Station F we, which is a big incubator uh, with, uh, I think, uh, 800 startups uh, working there, living <laughs> almost there, uh, with a big restaurants uh, opening every day. So it's a change of mentality. And so I'm very excited to be part of it. I've actually been at Station F for the last week interviewing ah, people. So yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's been very interesting to see this kind of growth of entrepreneurship yeah. in, in France and Paris. And yeah, one of, I interviewed a man named Deacon, a Deacon yesterday who started Deer Muesli, which is a muesli company, a customized muesli company. Uh, he, had, he had a lot of interesting things to say about um, how uh, the growth of the French entrepreneur system, but yet there are still a lot of bureaucratic ch challenges, a lot of red tape. A lot of things that are very still difficult in order to uh, in order to uh, start a company here. Well, uh, did you face any of those issues, like uh, uh, registration for the company? Do, how much does registration? How much does it cost to register a company? That's a good question. Uh -huh. <laughs> my co-founder did it. Okay, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, so I don't know. Uh, I registered my company first in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and so it's a Delaware company, mm -hmm. and then in France, mm -hmm. which is a SIS, mm -hmm. very typical for startups mm -hmm. here. Um, it take it took more time in France. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. a few months, mm -hmm. uh, whereas in uh, the US it took a few days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and but for me this kind of challenge I don't care. Yeah. I just want to get it done and oh. work on my project, and I don't want any excuse. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So. And it's just kind of like work that you have to grind through. Like it's like take three hours, deal with the, the yeah. thing. How do you how do you stay motivated to do that type of work? Uh, I love so much my mission, yeah. mm -hmm. and I it's uh, so important for me mm -hmm. that I will do everything to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so if uh, I need to do a queue for three hours to get my paper done, <laughs> I will find a way to yeah. delegate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, this is a question I've always had. Uh, not many people have been able to answer it, but how do you know when something uh, you, sh you should delegate it or not? Um, I follow my intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm dyslexic, so from very early on in my uh, startup life or even as a student, I always need, needed help mm. 
and uh, delegate and ask people to do stuff mm. for me. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so when I started uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, my co-founder always helped me in everything related to writing. Mm. And now I just hired the chief of staff, mm. Aliza, mm. Uh, which is helping me with my agenda, with mm. writing, with emails, with mm. everything that I can do well. Yeah. So every time I don't do well something, I prefer to delegate so that it's better done mm. and that I can focus on uh, being with my team, on motivating them, on hiring uh, and um, and communicating about uh, my mission than on the writing stuff. How did you know that you were good at those things? Um, it's more something personal. Mm. First, I like to do them. So that helps uh-huh. a lot yeah. <laughs> in being a good person. Yeah. And I always wanted to improve. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, for instance, a few weeks ago, I started uh, having English lessons mm. every week. Mm. So I can't wait in one year when you come back. <laughs> and uh, so even though you are not good in things in the beginning, you can always improve. But the, f- the key thing is to be motivated. Uh, and once you have this motivation, everything is possible. You can always learn. Mm. And that what you said about having dyslexia, dyslexia earlier and, and how that helps you to kind of depend on other people's and be, I forget the word, but it's a... Um, collaboration mm-hmm. with other people. Uh, I just read something similar. Somebody wrote a guide as to how to, it was Dan Martell of Clarity FM. He wrote a guide as to how to have ADHD, uh, how, to, how to manage ADD without medication. Mm-hmm. And the big thing was to basically realize that you have an advantage because you, uh, or I, or I have ADD as well. Anybody who has these issues finds challenges early on in life and then finds out that most, that to solve those challenges, you need the help of other people. Uh, so it's a really that's a really interesting thing, and that's what what I talked with Dave about. I interviewed Dave Dave Fontenot like three months ago, and we talked about his ADD, and basically it's a superpower. And so all these a lot of people online talk about entrepreneurship and wanting to to be the next Steve Jobs and everything like that. But the issue with that is that like Steve Jobs was like gifted, but then he was also super challenged at the same time. He had he had disabilities, but they're actually our superpowers. Those are the things that uh, basically drive us to do these weird things like starting companies and everything like that you can't really uh, it's remain to be seen like whether you can actually like learn that or something like that something it, did, why did you start a company and what are those internal motivators to um, when i was an intern at ubs i was very happy that i get in oh. i realized that it will be a challenge for me to have lots of impact hmm. and if i want to have this impact I um, should be the big boss, mm. but it will take 10 years mm. to go in this level mm. of hierarchy. Mm. So um, I knew that it was easier for me to start my own, own company, even though it's harder for some people. For me, it was easier because then I can mm. hire the best people mm. and be the chef d'orchestre. Mm-hmm. So chef d'orchestre uh, means in English Chief of the orchestra. Yes, right? chief of the orchestra. <laughs> and uh, to be with the best ones mm. and thanks to them uh, growing. Mm. Uh, so it was easier for me to motivate the people mm. and hiring them than to be in the more, tradi- in a more traditional company where I need to prepare the presentation, where I need to write a lot, mm. where I need to do lots of politics inside the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, the, 
the way of being an entrepreneur uh, was better for the impact that I can have mm -hmm. in this world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. And what is the impact you want to have? Uh, I want to help employees all around the world to be happier at work. And uh, in final, I want to that everyone feels happy. Oh. Um, so I want to start with the corporate world because it's where I felt the, the biggest need. Mm. Um, and you can make money from it, which then makes it more sustainable. You can make exactly. more people. Yes. Mm. So that was always my motivation of making money is about uh, helping oh. other people. And why is that your mission? It's uh, when I felt so um, uh, bored and unhappy at work in a big bank, even though I had the the best environment, uh, with the uh, best salary, uh, with the best uh, building. Mm. And I was not happy to go there every day because mm. it was very hierarchical, mm. uh, many silos, mm. um, and I couldn't learn and be myself. Do you guys have a measurement for happiness? Here inside? Yeah. Yes, we use a, a tool called Office Vibe. Uh -huh. Do you know this no, one? Office Vibe uh, is uh, on Slack, okay. a bot, oh. where every week uh, my team gets questions mm -hmm. in an anonymous uh, mm -hmm. way and they ask for them. Mm -hmm. And thanks to that, uh, I get this feedback mm -hmm. and there is after um, a note. Mm -hmm. And what is great is that it's compared it with other startups mm -hmm. and traditional companies. Mm -hmm. So we can see based on the other answers mm -hmm. of the other companies mm -hmm. where we are in. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. And that's collecting subjective feedback over a period of time, basically, so you can get accurate uh, time-adjusted kind of feedback because most people aren't able to go back in time and say how happy they were. Uh, exactly. And that's really interesting. And I was going to ask, like, how, how can you find objective metrics of happiness? But there is no way to no. find objective <laughs> metrics of an internal subjective state. So that's really how, what, is, what does happiness mean to you? Uh, for me, it's uh, to uh, be well. Mm. Uh, it's a big step mm. of, of the being and the well-being. Mm. And uh, then to uh, do a job that you love mm. with people mm. that you love, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, putting a smile on mm. your face. <laughs> and uh, so it sounds like relationship is, yes. a, big, is a big way towards And connections. Oh, relationship and connections. Uh, that's really good. How do you know when you're happy? I think it's more about feeling it mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes you need to take the hard way. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes taking a job where you have a big salary doesn't mean that you will be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes doing a more meaningful job or with uh, people who have the same uh, interest uh, with a mission that relates to you is mm -hmm. more important than a salary and mm -hmm. you, will, you will be in final happier. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, from what I'm understanding, is basically happiness is not a, a state. Because like if you, if you were to just say like it's only based on a feeling of happiness or like of, 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 of momentary just kind of uh, feeling good, that wouldn't you, it doesn't have a time scale. So it's not so there are in happiness there are also periods of discomfort and sadness. Exactly, and it's very yeah. important, and I, I love to cry. Uh -huh. I love to laugh. Mm. Uh, I like to show and uh, my my emotions yeah. and not be shy about it. And I I encourage my team to do the same, to say how they feel, mm. and it's okay to to be sad. And we are all here to help each other. Oh, 
How do you deal with anger? Uh, anger, I like um, to, uh, when I'm angry, to try to understand why I'm angry, so to speak about it with someone. It's the same when I'm stressed. Mm. Uh, I like it, uh, for instance, uh, yesterday night, uh, I was stressed about uh, a meeting I had this morning uh, with a big uh, CEO. Mm. Um, and uh, so about speaking about it with someone, you have trust, mm. uh, then you feel better after mm. that. Yeah, again, and you? How relationship. Do you how, do yes. I, how do I know when, I, when I'm happy? And all about uh, angry. Oh, anger, yeah. Anger is a difficult one for me because I uh, experienced I had a lot of childhood stuff about angry anger and there, there was a lot of anger in my home. So it's, uh, uh, so it's difficult because that um, I wasn't taught really healthy ways to deal with it. So I get angry and I, I, I want to, what I'm working towards is basically expressing that anger in a healthy way. So anger, being angry without violence. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, uh, um, but oftentimes I'm sometimes violent towards myself and that's mm -hmm. what a lot of people call depression basically is when you kind of turn in, inwards and basically turn the anger towards yourself as opposed to because it, you can't, it, violence is un, unhealthy as well, so, but yeah. And I feel also when you are angry, it also means that you are stressed, mm -hmm. so it's usually related mm -hmm. and uh, which what's helped me a lot is to do um, sport. Uh, uh, so three mm. times a week uh, I do Thai boxing, mm. so it's a very uh, violent uh, sport. Yeah. Um, but after that I, f I feel so good and I sleep like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes to, to find something to do mm. and disconnect, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. for me it helped me, helped me a lot. This is, uh, and it's funny, so right before I came here on the way, I was on the subway, uh, and uh, people in Paris have been, I, I, you get the impression outside of Paris that people in Paris are horrible people, uh, but, and I got here, it hasn't been the case uh, for most people, but I was, I was, on, the, I was on the metro, uh, I, they give you these little paper tickets, and then they stamp the paper, paper ticket as you go through the, the turnstiles, and, uh, and then I was, and I've been ending up with tons of paper tickets in my pocket that are unused and so I'm like, oh, I'm just going to throw this away because I don't need this ticket anymore because I've already gone through the turnstile. And then I, when I go out, I'm, 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 uh, I was confronted by a group of uh, French police, policemen who were checking everybody's tickets and I realized like, oh, I don't have my ticket. I have like 10 other tickets that are in my pocket that have already been used but they don't have the timestamp on them so I'm actually like, I know that my, I just threw away the ticket. That, so I, and then this, uh, I got through about six of them. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm home free. I'm gonna get out without them checking because they were talking to some other one. And then a woman by uh, the, on the side of the the, the wall was like, uh, uh, you know, see, let me see your ticket and, uh, in English and and and, and, and like, I, I, you know, I speak a little French, but I usually in situations like this, I can usually get out of it by not speaking in the local language and pretending I don't know it. But she, uh, she obviously spoke English, and uh, and then she starts like yelling at me, uh, like uh, like. Um, stand over there like 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 you know like get it, get it. and I started to feel very angry um and just like she was being very impolite about it and uh and then I give her the tickets the other tickets I had you know and she's like and then some like people came behind us and she like orders me over to the other side of the room and I'm just like it was a, and then I felt so much anger in the moment and I was like okay usually I would just be like okay you know like it, I would try to turn it into a story because uh, that's when many people have trauma they kind of essentially turn everything they all these events that happen to them into stories and a story is basically a way that you can kind of uh, not deal with that emotion that it's causing and so this time I tried to just kind of feel the anger and let it because anger is like a powerful energy it's a very like useful useful energy um, 
but yeah, this time I tried to just kind of let it move through me and, and be angry. I want to start yelling more. I've, yeah, yeah. Like in boxing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boxing. Yeah, you I've done some boxing. I've done a lot of uh, uh, taekwondo and muay thai. Uh, but that's really so that just happened to me. So it's on my mind <laughs> about anger. Yeah, um, yeah. So we got about five minutes left. What uh, What is one kind of piece of advice, of advice, or a book you've read, or something you've recently heard, or something you want people to understand mm-hmm. about stress and creativity? So, for me, when I'm stressed, I'm not creative at all. So, I, uh, I usually, uh, uh, I'm creative when I'm on a holiday or when I don't have too many meetings. Um, because my mind then has some distance about my daily work. And so I can uh, find some other ways and uh, be more creative. But then what, what is your definition of creative then? For me, uh, uh, being creative is to find uh, your next step or finding other ways of doing your work. For instance, if you always sell to the same type of companies, by being creative you can maybe find a new way of selling. And to having this uh, distance with your daily work helps me to be creative. Because I, I often, when I tell people that I'm running the show and I ask them you know, to be on, I, I say I'm interviewing creative people and a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not creative, mm-hmm. even though they're starting these companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I thought you were going to say is that creativity is like doing art or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, but I see what you've done now, you've created a company with 20 people mm-hmm. and like that is creativity, right? That's creating mm-hmm. something which yeah. did not exist before. Um, yeah. Yeah. But to, be, to always create something new uh-huh. is very important. Mm-hmm. Like we went from the alone to work well. If I didn't take the distance and uh, and taking time with myself, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm. So it's very important to take that time with yourself to be less stressed and to uh, move forward. It's always the same mission, but you are always more creative and uh, finding a new way. Mm-hmm. And that seems like what you're, you said there is basically that you you, as a, somebody who's running a company, you are s- stuck in the details a lot, but creativity to you means to basically come back and look yes. at it at a higher level and exactly. see, instead of seeing just the pawn on the chessboard, you're seeing the whole chessboard and basically seeing where all everything can yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's very exciting as well. Uh-huh. It's where, what I love to do, it's uh-huh. always finding the next uh, chapter mm-hmm. of my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, when you, uh, for instance, in a few weeks, I'm going with my co-founder uh, in a, a holiday house from uh, his parents in a new place I don't know and where I will have no meetings. And so I know that something amazing will mm-hmm. turn off. And that's the okay. So that, that brings up a great point about relationships, basically, because relationships can bring you into those like experiences that you wouldn't plan, basically, that can sometimes lead to more creativity. Yeah. It's really interesting. And being all together with people mm. from different backgrounds, so we will go with an architect, mm. uh, with a mathematician, mm. uh, with my co-founder and I. So having and my co-founder is also a painter, so uh-huh. he did uh, this uh-huh. one. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, I uh, I like to be surrounded by different people than myself. Oh, that's really great. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Crazy Wisdom, and what. Um, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter mm. uh, with Marie Schmigans mm. or on Facebook 
mm-hmm. with the same name mm-hmm. or by email mm-hmm. marie at uh, workwell.io and uh, how can they find workwell uh, they can find workwell on uh, our website workwell.io or on twitter cool thank you so much with pleasure uh-huh.